0: lives aren't like they used to be. They're busier. Early morning Zooms, grabbing coffee to make that in-office meeting, getting to your kids' soccer game on time. Life is different, and so is advertising. To reach any audience, you need your message out there in all media, broadcast to streaming, on screens, and right to the ears of your customers. And that's what we do at Odyssey. Let's build a media campaign that targets the customers you know and want to reach more of, right here in our community. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Come
1: Grizzlies up two. they have the ball bad pass Curry fingertips of steal. drives on Williams spins it up and in on the fast break Curry with a steal and score we're tied at 51 now back to Warriors this week on 95 7 the game all right we are rolling along here John Dickinson and Alan Styles Almost halfway through here on a Saturday till one o'clock. It's Warriors this week. Warriors onto the conference finals. Couple of calls to get to here before Nick Friedel joins us. Uh, as far as Tim in North Carolina, great call before the break, a lot to chew on coming off of what Tim had to say. As far as the, the Steph Curry point, and, and he mentioned the missed shots and he's missing open shots and 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 we were getting into the, the conversation about a, a Potential decline. The missed open shots are the decline. Like that is the sign of a decline. Is when shots that you used to make, maybe you don't have it as much in the legs. It. it, And again, it's not that you're not going to average 27 a game. It's just that it's going to be less efficient, and it's going to be fewer games where you're dominant and you have the 40 piece or the 50 piece. You're still going to be 40 pieces. There's still going to be 50 pieces. But there's just not going to be as many of them. There aren't going to be as many of the dominant flurries that that completely flip games. Uh, The other one, Alan, I'll let you jump in on Steph, but I do want to just sneak this in. Okay, I'll give you Kaminga didn't stink. Maybe overwhelmed, maybe not the best matchup. I give him credit for going to him. I give him credit for pulling him out. But again, the point I was trying to make on Kaminga, and we don't have to really get too deep into this, was just the fact that it's... It's okay if he didn't play well in a series moving forward moving forward not every series isn't an indictment of what a player's career is going to be. But go ahead and jump in on the Steph
2: stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head, right? This is what it looks like. Steph is not a high flyer and never has been. So his version of declining isn't going to be, oh, he's not doing 360 windmill dunks anymore because that's never what he was doing. It's going to be some of these shots that you expect him to hit. He's not hitting. And again, you know, on a day like today, you sit there, you break down the game and you say, okay, We see what happened. Draymond answered the bell. Steph was Steph in his way. Game six, Clay showed up. Looney was that X factor. Wiggins hit some big shots, and now they're off to the conference finals. So now you've kind of reset that in your mind, and now you move forward, and you think, okay, as as a fan or whoever you may be, What else happened, right? Or do you sit there? And that's where we want to know with you, Dub Nation, where you're at. We asked it before, and we'll ask it again on the Xfinity mobile text line and the callers as well. Are you sitting here at this point at 1051 a.m., and are you still just basking in the wind? But are you looking at some of the things that – the Warriors didn't do right. Are you looking at the turnovers? Are you looking at the fact that Steph did miss some shots that he doesn't typically miss? Are you looking at the fact that Jordan Poole wasn't, you know, it, it seems to not be the same person that he was at the beginning of the playoffs? Or are you are you not doing any of that until the ball tips against the Mavs or the Suns? And really just in general, just riding the wave, right? A couple of years ago, and I saw a text line, a 510 shout out and say, could you imagine being in this position in February when it didn't look great and that is a great that is a great text and that is a great call as far as just putting things in perspective when you look at even before February the beginning of the season you know, Klay Thompson coming back from two catastrophic injuries, Steph being 34, Draymond Green, some hard-earned miles on his body. Don't know what Iggy's gonna be, don't know what James Wiseman is gonna be. When you sit there and say the Warriors are about to go to the Western Conference Finals, nobody can sit there and say, if you are a part of Dub Nation, no one can sit there and say you are not excited about that, and that you know your expectations. I think that's what happens, JD. When things change, your expectations change at the beginning of the season. If we had told anybody in Dub Nation that the Warriors would be in this position, nobody would be complaining about anything that you saw from last night's game. But when things change and you go 18 and two, and you sit there, and and now the, the the Vegas has the Warriors as a favorite to win it. Now expectations change, so it's that balance between understanding to just enjoy the moment, and also, yeah, you can't help but look ahead, and you can't help but look at the fact that the Warriors continue to turn the ball over. They had 17 last night, and if you do that against the Suns or the Bucks or anybody on the East Coast you probably are not getting that ring. So we're all, Dub Nation, we are together in this situation as far as trying to combine these two things as far as enjoying the win but also recognizing that the Warriors could have played much better.
1: All right, let's go rapid fire here over the next seven minutes uh, and and get these calls in. Nick Friedle is going to join us at the top of the 11 o'clock hour. Rich in Fremont on 95.7 The Game. Hey, Rich.
0: Hey, J.D. Hey, guys, thanks for having me on. You know, I'm just tired of, you know, people saying, hey, you know what, uh, is this a successful season? Man, you get to the Western Conference Finals, that is a successful season. You don't think these other teams don't want to want to be in in, in in Golden State's position right now? The Lakers, the Clippers, Portland, they would love to be in this position. This is a successful season, whether you want to admit it or not. You, you shot out all the things that's going on with Golden State. The fact that, you know, Curry's old. The fact that uh, Draymond has got miles on The fact that, you know, uh, Clay came back from two surgeries. All of that. And they're still where they're at. So, as far as I'm concerned, I don't want nobody telling me, is this a successful season? There's no question. It's definitely successful.
1: Thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate it, Rich. From Rich, we go to Leroy in Oakland on 95.7 The Game. Hey, Rich. <laughs> or, hey, Leroy.
0: Hey, I'm on, sorry Roy, about that? that, guys. What's going on? It is a pleasure to be on. I'm always listening, but, you know, I I, I I rarely get to call. But I just wanted to say this, that, you know, I've always said about the Warriors and, and Curry, when he's around 25, 28 points, and, you know, there's seven rebounds and the five assists. I like that team because that means the others – Are getting it done as well and I like the balance I I love the balance and you know the games have been ugly and we've still been winning hats off to the coaching staff and I just think that the way that we've been having to win and these different styles and stuff I think it's gonna bode well going forward and it and it's building some 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 toughness that I don't think we had, you know, toward the end of the season. And um am I worried about the turnovers? Yeah, but we are who we are in that aspect. We've been turning the ball over, you know, I can remember the past like two years. And um you know, it's a it's a it's a problem, but we are who we are and we've been able to overcome it this year and I don't think it's going to bite us in the long run because it's just who we are. We, we've been able to overcome those turnovers. Yeah, we got to get them down, but I think we'll be okay. Um, Going forward though, what I am worried about is auto Porter because I do love that lineup when they put in Damian Lee with Poole, and then they have auto Porter and Wiggins and then they have Draymond at the center or either Looney. I like that lineup. It's a gritty lineup. They're smart. And they don't make mistakes, and and they play hard. So we got to get Auto back. But hey, go Warriors, man! Thank you for having me on, guys.
1: Appreciate it, Leroy. From Leroy to CJ in Belmont, we're gonna let the callers have their piece here before we talk to Fridell. We'll react to all of it on the back end. CJ, you're on ninety-five-seven. The game.
0: Hey, how we doing, fellas? I just wanted to well. say, it's like you know, people are acting like that, uh, like we didn't just blow them out in games uh three or four and then like, oh, we got beat by fifty and like that's the biggest deal. But we just blew them out too. That's how a playoff series goes. And for me, I think that we're gonna need these four days. And Jordan Poole, I think, is missing his shot just because he was getting hit left and right, put on put on the ground. But uh he has that rest, he's gonna come back. And I think we got we got this uh this Western Conference finals in the bag. I said, bring on the
1: East Coast. Let's go, Dust. Got it in the bag. All right, CJ. Mark uh, is up next here. Actually, you, Al, I'm gonna let me you, get you in here real quick on, on just anything that Rich or Leroy or CJ had to, had to talk about real quick before we get to Mark.
2: Yeah, I mean I think they're they're all spot on they're all spot on in, in what they're saying. And I as far as in the bag, I mean is is in the bag <laughs> yeah, no. four games or five games? Well, I don't know what the bag is. Just get through it and, and we'll just celebrate anyway.
1: The rest is definitely gonna be key. I I mean, not having to go back to Memphis. I think it was pretty clear the Warriors didn't want to go back to Memphis last night. After the game, just hearing him talk. Long flight. That place was unbelievable. The atmosphere, the three games that were there one, two, and five in this series. They would have been in, in a cauldron if they had to face, you know, blowing the 3-1 lead to even get it to that point and then a young Grizzlies team ready to maybe have their moment even without their superstar player. Uh, avoiding that at all costs and the potential chaos scenario in terms of travel where you go to Memphis and then have to go to Phoenix, that would have been that would have been trouble. There, there's no doubt about it. Mark is next here before we get to Nick Friedel on 95.7 The Game. Hey, Mark. Hey, doing, guys? Hey, I just
0: wanted to to, to suggest a different tack on the, the Steph decline. I think what may be declining is his focus. When I mean, a guy is, you know, totally committed to his family, his kids, committed to the community. He's on commercials constantly. And I think it's just that that's missing open shots when you're not focused. And, and the bigger evidence of that to me is when it gets to the fourth quarter, when he's got to focus, he's been doing it. And uh, that, that to me is what's declining. I think he's just losing his focus. Incredibly competitive guy, I get it, but you know, sustaining in it for as long as he has, I think now he waits for the fourth quarter and then he turns it on.
1: Well, look, it's it's if you want to have the clutch gene, if you're going to be less consistent as a as a superstar, great future Hall of Fame player, that that is the one area where you can still maximize the the time that you have left yeah. at, at the top of your game is if you're making the big shots, and I do think Curry. You know, Clay and Wiggins and Looney were the headliners. Draymond was the typical war daddy that he is. And and Steph was just kind of along for the ride. But he was huge early and then huge late. And, right. if, and I think those are the two things where if the middle of the game is going to get a little clunky sometimes, be great early and be great late. and You could still help your team win if you're a superstar as, as he is.
2: No, J.D., I agree with you, and I would say this. I I hear what the caller is saying in terms of yes I mean I think Damon said it about a month ago when when you're well fed it's hard to stay hungry but at the same time I'm gonna tell you this right now Steph Curry is a uber competitor that's just what he is and Steph Curry as far as you know him not necessarily being focused and and being you know thinking think about his family or whatever the case may be Steph Curry. Wants that Finals MVP. I'm gonna tell you that right now, JD. He wants it. Steph Curry is an uber competitor. The way he he's the baby face assassin. You don't look at him in that way where he's not snarling and doing things like that. So some it has never necessarily looked like you know the Russell Westbrook. Ah, I'm gonna I'm gonna destroy you. I'm a dog. Things like that. But Steph Curry is a dog in his heart, and and I don't think it's necessarily him not focusing. I think it's more of a literally you're just 34, and as far as You know, Steph, moving forward, I think it is the clutch scene, J.D. I think it is, okay, this game, the whole thing, right, is a marathon, not a sprint. I'm in there early. I'm in there late. And if he continues to close games the way he currently is, there should be no complaints besides some of the the turnovers.
1: All right. You are listening to 95.7 The Game, KGMZ FM and HD1 San Francisco and Odyssey Station. Brought to you by DuckDuckGo, Privacy Simplified. Hour number three of the program. We're halfway through. Uh, let's go ahead and bring in uh, our old friend, uh, NBA reporter for ESPN, covered the Warriors, then onto the Brooklyn Nets beat, now covering the East playoffs. He was on the Philly-Miami series and a uh, former co-host of this very show oh, just a couple months ago. Nick Friedel joins us here on 95.7 The Game. Nick, how are you, brother? Good to be with you and have you on.
3: Always, buddy. It's great to be with you guys, and it is crazy how <laughs> things can change in a lot of different directions. Just in a few months, because I saw the Warriors just go go crazy early on, and then I got switched to the Nets, and they had a complete mess. And now you're watching a Heat team that just wins games and doesn't say much off the floor. So it has been an interesting ride, but I know. In watching that Warriors game last night, I can only imagine how pumped up everybody is out in the Bay because that is a team that they can smell it now. And to watch them, even from a distance, uh, you know that things are coming along the way that uh, everybody thought they could once they got rolling early.
1: Two two questions for you. just to, and our, We'll give you the, the questions du jour this morning on the show. You're right. The Bay is sky high. As, as you know, the phone lines have been lit. People are fired up. Uh, How how does this series and the way that this series played out as far as the Warriors go make you feel about the next series, whether it's Phoenix or Dallas, and the prospect of the Warriors winning a championship? Because it did come at a cost. The Grizzlies did extract their pound of flesh, as we thought they might, even a couple of months ago.
3: No question. And, J.D., I remember I was talking about it at that time, and it was like, you don't want to get paired up with Memphis – because even if you beat them, and I think you and I both thought they could, you knew that they were going to be tough as hell. And they were. It was a difficult series. And obviously the, the injury to Gary Payton II is going to hurt. But as I look forward now, if Dallas wins Game 7, I am confident the Warriors can beat Dallas. I, I know Luke is awesome. And that would be very tough, but I just don't believe in the rest of their core in that type of series on that type of stage against Steph, Clay, Draymond. If it's Phoenix, that's really been the series that we all thought it was going to land on the whole year. But looking forward into whatever may happen in that series, the more I watch Steph, and I know you guys have been talking about it this morning, and I know that's been the conversation for a while. I'm just not betting against Steph – against Chris Paul. (laughs) I don't think I can do it. As much as I like the Suns, as strong as I know that team is, I'm not betting against Steph knowing that that whole group knows how fleeting it all can be because of injuries, because of cap situation, whatever the case is, and they can see that they've got the opportunity right now. But, J.D., I say all of that in saying that, If we were sitting here right now trying to put money on who was going to do what and who was going to win, my bet right now today would still be the winner of Game 7 tomorrow in Boston. The celtics would be my pick to win the title because I just think both of those teams have length. They are tough. The Bucks have Giannis. The Celtics have Tatum, the supporting cast. For both teams are very good, and if the Bucs do win, they get Middleton back, which would be even tougher for any team. So I like the Warriors right now to come out of the West. Assuming health, though, I think it will be really tough for them to get all the way through and win it uh, this season.
2: Nick, you are doing such a good job ingratiating yourself with the Warriors fans, you know what they want to hear. You're sitting here talking about Steph, and, and you're you're never gonna pick you know CP3 over Steph. You're doing such a good job, and then you go on to say Bucks or Celtics gonna win the whole thing. But I, I hear where you're going athletically and the length that both those teams have. I did want to ask you this because I've been doing the same thing. Bucks, Celtics, whoever comes out of that series does look d- does look really really good. I'm not gonna go as far as you because I don't want to get fried on the t- text line, but I will say they do look really, really good. What I'll ask you is this. Why are we disrespecting the Heat? Is it because their best player, their closer in Jimmy Butler, isn't? he's the closest thing to a superstar that's not a superstar? Is that what it is? Because they have done nothing besides answer the bell in every single way throughout the playoffs, but we're sitting over here. You just did it, and I've done it as well. Buck Celtics, that's who's going to the finals. Whoever wins that, that we're basically watching the the East finals right now. Why are we disrespecting the Heat the way we are?
3: I, I think part of it is that people don't buy Jimmy in that superstar role. I think that is a, a fair assessment. But as I watch them throughout the season and I watch him up close now over these last couple of weeks, I think a bigger issue for them is you know what Jimmy's going to give you almost every night. What you don't know is, offensively, who's going to help and step up with him. And that would be my fear for the Heat in a Bucks or Celtics series, because the Celtics have plenty of weapons. <laughs> the Bucs have Giannis, who is, for my money now, guys, the very best player in the game. And when you see... The roster balance, while defensively the Heat are going to give you fits, especially with P.J. Tucker running around doing what he does and bam down low, I just don't know if they're going to be able to generate enough offense against a team that plays really, really solid defense like both of those teams do. So would I put it past Jimmy to will that Heat team into the finals again? Hell no, because I promise you guys it's there's a lot of Steph mindset-wise in Jimmy Butler. He, he listens. <laughs> he knows yeah. exactly what's being said. He knows exactly who's saying it. And we, we saw that clip floating around on Twitter the other night when he's going, Tobias Harris over me. I mean, he knows. Oh, that
2: was great. That was great. Yeah,
3: he, he, he knows exactly what, what's going on out there. But I would be a, a little surprised because I've, I watched the Heat team and I just feel like they're still a piece short and Kyle Lowry, his status is uncertain, but is he going to be that offensive booster that they're going to need? I'm not so sure, not at 36 years old at this stage of his career. So all that being said, while I think it's wrong to just completely uh, wipe out the possibility of Miami making it, uh, I would still lean towards Milwaukee or Boston being able to pull through.
1: Nick Fardell of ESPN joining us here on ninety five seven. The game. Got to ask you about Andrew Wiggins. My goodness, uh, I know you covered him in, in Minnesota. You covered him out here. Andrew Wiggins, prime playoff performer these first two rounds of the of the postseason. And and how about Wiggins yesterday going to Mike Brown and saying, "Yeah, I want to pick up Tyus Jones full court," and then Mike Brown says. For 48 minutes, you want to do that? And Wiggins replies, I'm locked in. Just kind of the deadpan, typical Andrew Wiggins. He's been awesome. How how Are you surprised? What have you made of what you've seen from, from Andrew Wiggins, just doing all the little things and making some big shots in the fourth quarter last night?
3: J.D., he's just been huge. And all credit to Wiggins. All of it. Because I was one of many critics out there that didn't think that you could count on him night to night. I mean, you and I have been having this conversation for several years at this point. It wasn't that the talent wasn't there. The talent with Andrew was always there. It was that you didn't know what you were going to get from him on a nightly basis. And he has never even really been on this type of stage. He had that one series in Minnesota. That was it. So for him to perform the way he did in this series, but even more to your point, He's giving the Warriors exactly what they need. You need some more rebounding, he's there. need a little bit more defense, he's there. Those shots he hit, especially early in the fourth last night, they were huge. So he deserves all the credit. And it is very rare when you get to this level after this many years in the league to be able to change the narrative about where your career has been and where it's going. And to Andrew Wiggins' credit – he has changed the narrative that has surrounded him up to this point. And we started to see it with the all-star selection. You see a player who's even more confident in the environment that he's in. But I think most of all, and i throw Kavon Looney's name in there because he was awesome last night, but he is starring in the role his team needs from him. And that's when you have a player who is really bought into the team setting that he's in.
2: Nick, when you look at Jordan Poole, did did we crown him too early? And when I say crown him too early as far as the next superstar, and we understand he's 22, and should we just more so take this day by day and and sit there and say, look, what he's will, what he's able to give the Warriors is always going to be, you know, greatly appreciated, but this is going to be the the Splash Bros and Draymond to win the title? Because I think for a while at the beginning with the Nuggets and when you're watching what he's doing, you thought he was really going to be this huge part of it. Or am I being too caught up in the moment with the couple bad games that he's had? What, What are your thoughts on Jordan Poole and where the Warriors should see his necessity moving forward throughout the playoffs?
3: If you believe that the Warriors can win it all this year, and certainly the momentum for that is only growing by the day. You have to believe that Jordan Poole can play at the level that we've seen him throughout this year, but especially in these last couple months. Because while Steph and Draymond and Clay and and Wiggins, to his credit, can fill these roles that we're now used to seeing from them, especially with Steph and Clay and Draymond, Poole is that X factor. And while I don't know if he's ready for the – superstar tag or or the next coming in the iteration of of this team because Steph Gray, and Clay are still playing at such a high level. If you want to believe that it can happen this year, you have to believe that Poole can maintain what he's shown. So I know he hasn't shot it the way he would have liked in, in those last couple, but whoever it is, Dallas or Phoenix, if Poole is not playing at that high level I don't know if they can get through because he provides that different dimension. So when you watch pool, I think everybody needs to still take a step back because he has played so well, but he's still so young and he's never been on this type of stage in this kind of moment. And it's not that he can't live up to it. It's just that he hasn't done it before. So just take a deep breath and enjoy what he's given to this point. Enjoy what's possible, but if you are really dreaming that now is the time, he's the one who's got to step up the way Wiggins has in his own way over these last couple of weeks.
1: All right, Nick Friedel joining us here on, on ninety five seven. The Game. Now, Nick, I know as former co-host of, of this show uh, up until January, and we did a year full of shows last year, the listener knows the callers tend to get after you a little bit. I want you to I want you to catch this. This was Philmo Mike earlier, our buddy Filmo Mike earlier. We got a clip for you. He, he heard you were coming on here at 11 o'clock, and, and he had a little message for you, Nick. So let, let's go ahead and roll that, Brian.
0: When Nick Ferdell get on the line, you know, Nick Ferdell's a little front-runner, man. In April or whenever it was, Nick Ferdell's like, I don't think, you know, he got the deep voice. I don't really think... No, at this time the Warriors cannot get to the conference finals the way that they are playing. Now I understand what he's saying. He was going off the time. He be too. I'm here. I'm with you. Oh no, no, no. They're good. They're good. They ain't do to the little the little sexy boy laugh. I'm up to Nick Fadil though. He my guy, but I'm up to him. Man, he look good on his I ain't gonna lie. Give him that.
1: Your thoughts? I mean, JD,
3: if I'm not using sexy boy laugh in everything that I'm putting out to the world from here on out. I got to thank Mike for that because that, that, there we go. (laughs) I I need to, uh, I need to put that into my own vernacular uh, at all times, but I'd ever thought that the Warriors could do what they're doing this year. He is right about that. When we watched them throughout last season, even when we watched them early this year, when they were playing so well, I still thought that they were just kind of a flawed team for the long haul to like win a title. The difference, and we just hit on both of the pieces that have made the difference, is I never expected Andrew Wiggins to play at this level consistently, and I never, ever thought Jordan Poole was ready to take the kind of step, even from last year to this year, that he's taken. So it is a credit to that roster. It's a credit to Steve Kerr, Mike Brown, and that staff, and, and Chris DeMarco and Kenny Atkinson, all those guys. They have put in an inordinate amount of time to get this group at a level in belief that they can do it right now. And I, I am still – shock isn't the right word because, J.D., you and I watched it those first couple months, and I, I saw that this team was starting to believe in itself a lot again. But I just can't really wrap my head around still that we're talking about a Warriors group that very much looks the same or or similar to what we saw in April when they got knocked out uh, by the Grizzlies to a group that just knocked out the Grizzlies and is now four wins away from another final. So it's pretty impressive the turnaround that happened so quickly. And when you're looking for reasons, I mean, Steph is Steph. He's still great. Clay has come back and certainly was great last night, and he looks like he's found some rhythm. But if you're pointing to what the hell happened, when you look at the way Draymond played to start the season and you see the defense and the emotional lift that he gave this group, you start to look at a player that can smell it again in the water that it's possible. And I think the way he started the season – led to the belief that we're starting to see right now in, yeah, this can happen and we're going to try to make it happen again.
2: Nick, I want to go more big picture with the Warriors because when you look at what they've done, I know there have been some conversations as far as obviously their age. They are elder statesmen, if if you would want to call it that, and these every-other-day series and how that has maybe affected them a bit, right? You see them play really well when they have four or five days off, and then when it's every other day, they don't necessarily play so well. So going big, quick, big picture with this whole thing, what, what, are you, what are your thoughts as far as the Warriors, the, the vaunted window question? And if it's how open it is, if, if they have to make certain moves, obviously what they do at the end of this season dictates a lot of it, right? If they win the championship, obviously the window is – I don't know what it's called when you win the championship. The window is open. You are, you, are walking, you are jumping out of the window or whatever the case may be. What are your thoughts on the window as far as the Warriors are concerned and how much longer they can continue this run?
3: The funny part is, when the season started, and the fact that Clay wasn't back and he was still going through his rehab, working his way onto the floor, I always thought that next year was actually the world's best chance to win a title. I thought that Wiseman, we haven't mentioned his name yet, but I thought he needed another year of seasoning, and now, of course, he he didn't even get that, and sadly, I guess in that sense, they haven't even needed him, but thought he needed that extra year. Poole needed another year to build on what he had done for the last few months of last season. And I figured that with Steph Clay and Draymond, not that they needed much time to find their own rhythm, just that they would be even better next year after getting Clay back out on the floor. And so I thought the window of a possibility of a title was at least two years. But truth be told, I thought it was next year where we would start to have the conversations we've had now. And to watch the window not only open, but, hey, there's there's a real chance, as we all know, there is a real chance this team right now can go win a title, which just seems crazy to me, again, going back to a year ago. But uh, they've earned their their way here. And I think now when you look at what's happened, if you get that extra push from Kaminga, or Moody, or somehow Wiseman does come back next year and and he can give you consistency and and be good in the role they're going to need him in. I think they've got another two or three possible years of trying to win a title or being in that conversation, but so much of it always, always is going to go back to how is Steph feeling and can he maintain where he's been at? Now, we all know that he keeps himself in unbelievable condition but it's like the luck you need any time any team wins a title somebody doesn't roll up on his leg somebody doesn't fall on his hand he you know he doesn't uh, have some kind of weird injury that just pops up out of nowhere you just don't know and you certainly don't know once you hit 34 and you're getting up there in age at that elite level so for me from where they were to now i think they've got at least a couple more years of real, true title contention, but there are variables. And once you give Poole that extension, he's looking for what happens with Wiggins moving forward, how, how much money is Kaminga going to want? If he keeps improving there, there's a financial aspect to this as well. And Joe Lake of that ownership group, they'll spend, but that's a ton of money that's already been, plopped on the books because of the Steph Clay extensions. Draymond's going to be looking for some more money, I'm sure, uh, if he's playing at this level. So you have to enjoy it when you got it, and right now the Warriors have it, and the fan base should really uh, enjoy the moment that they're in.
1: Nick, uh, just real quick, uh, let everybody know what's next for you. You're going to be on the on the Eastern Conference Finals, and 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 maybe uh, just some of the things you're working on. And are and are you if if this finals thing happens, are, are you going to be on the finals? Are we going to get a chance to see you back in San Francisco, Nick? The,
3: the question is, are you and I going to be sitting at Wood Tavern before Game One uh, of a possible Finals series? Uh, I'm still – I haven't gotten a clear answer on that. (laughs) We'll see. But for the moment, uh, I am going to be following the Heat the rest of the way here. They are a a really interesting team. They don't say as much, uh, clearly, as as the Nets or the Warriors. They just go out and win and handle their business. But they are one of those teams that believes when they step on the floor – they can overpower whoever's in their way. And it's a mark of a team that has the mindset to go and win. Now, as we've said, I don't know if they can do it this year. I don't know if Jimmy can can carry them across the finish line in his own way. But, J.D., I'm, I'm looking forward to watching whatever may come with this group and to be able to to be back uh, in Florida. I grew up in Orlando and, and be back around. Uh, Miami again and see that that's been pretty sweet but it would be pretty awesome to now see a Miami Warriors final in that case because to be back in the bay and and to kind of bookend where my season started (laughs) with where it may finish that would be personally that'd be pretty cool uh, to see it unfold that way but uh, we'll see how it all shakes out and there are plenty of other Steps to clear before that for both of these teams. But uh, in the meantime, I'll be keeping a close eye on the Warriors. And from a distance, I, I really like their chances in this next series, whomever it may be, because you can see the belief that they're playing with right now.
1: Nick, great stuff, my man. Uh, Make sure you you show off the laugh with the fellas uh, playing Bones in Little Havana, my man. (laughs) You know
3: I made some new friends down there, so you got it, buddy. But uh, always great to be with you, and I'll talk to you soon.
1: All right, Nick Friedell joining us here on 95.7 The Game. Great stuff, as always, as he's on the heat beat in the Eastern Conference Finals, of course, was covering the Warriors the first half of this year and co-hosting this show uh, for the first half of the year. We are overdue for a break, Alan, so let's go ahead and pause. we got a little catching up to do. We appreciate Brian uh, for, for rolling with us, our producer, engineer for today. So we'll pause, we'll come back, we'll reset everything, we'll react to what Friedell had to say. It's Warriors this week on 95.7 The Game. On accelerates to the rim, finds Clay Thompson, left corner, fires away. Got it! Three ball, left corner, pocket. Warriors 58, Grizzlies 55, Clay has 20. Now back to Warriors this week on 95-7 The Game. Big thanks to Nick Friedel as we welcome you back, John Dickinson and Alan Stiles. Another 90 minutes here of Warriors this week on 95.7 The Game. 888-957-9570. We reopen up the phone lines. Always a lot to chew on coming off of a Nick Friedell segment or show. Alan, I'll kind of give you the floor. Uh, what stood out? Uh, a few things stood out to me, but what stood out to you as far as our conversation with the uh, old pal Nick?
2: Well, again, and uh, obviously shout out to Nick for for coming through. Again, I'm not going to sit here and say I would pick the Bucks or the Celtics over the Warriors, but you would have to sit here and say – that they have played more consistently than the Warriors, but I believe that the Warriors' ceiling, when they are rolling offensively, there's nothing like it in the NBA. Nobody can touch them, right? The, I think the the cause to pause with the Warriors is what we saw this last series. And, and when you have Memphis and them defensively, is Memphis a better defensive team than the Celtics or the Bucs? That's a, that's a conversation that we'll have to have. But when you look at how cold the Warriors got, shooting 18% in a game from three, shooting 25% in a game from three, you can't do that against any of the teams left, including the Western Conference, as much as everybody thinks the Warriors are just going to roll through you know, whoever they face, whether it be the Mavericks or the Suns, you can't shoot 25% from three, 18% from three, in in two games in a series and really expect to win. Can you win? Sure, but it's going to be pretty darn hard, J.D., and I think that's the whole thing with this Warriors team. There are ways for them to get gritty and and overcome when they're not shooting well, but at the end of the day, that is who they are, and they have to put the biscuit in the basket at a high clip if they're going to pull this thing off.
1: Yeah, the, the the way that the Warriors played against the Grizzlies I don't think is is good enough to beat the Suns or the Bucks or the Celtics. I, I will say that. I think they can kind of cobble it together a little bit more against Dallas, uh, and that's among the many questions we're, we're throwing out there at 888-957-9570 here over the last 90 minutes or so of the program. I think this is a good opportunity to get into who do you want as we kind of shift from – the celebration of last night and, and the exhale of the Warriors advancing and finally vanquishing the Grizzlies after a, a hard-fought six games uh, last night at Chase Center in the big fourth quarter in the 23-10 to 10 closing run and, and all of the, the thrilling performances from Game 6 Clay to uh, Andrew Wiggins. I'm going to pick up dudes full court for 48 minutes to 22-rebound Game 6 Looney. Steph with the big plays at the beginning and the end of the game. Draymond uh, with his near triple-double self. We start to shift from unbelievable run for the Warriors, but they're only halfway through as far as the ultimate goal, which is the championship. So who do you want, Phoenix or Dallas? Uh, have the Warriors clinched a successful season? I know we had a couple of callers earlier that, that bristle at that. I know the, the other side of that coin, Alan, and there's been a lot of people that have been on, on point with their take uh, in, in that vein of, no, the goal is to win championships. The Warriors are about championships. This is a championship core that may be a little bit older, but but no, it's not a successful season until you until you win the chip at the end, and the Warriors have some unfinished business potentially along those lines. And I think another big question is, how does the way this series played out make you feel about the next series and the prospect of the Warriors being able to to win that championship? Because – some of the the bad right the turnovers the grizzlies did extract a pound of flesh from the warriors they lost three rotation players right. in the series yeah three Iguodala, payton and porter do in three or all three come back at some point and and with what you know, level of success and then uh, you know you look at at the jordan Poole issue as well as he you know didn't play Uh, as well as that as that series went on so a lot to get into but those are the the primary questions as we kind of reset everything and and reopen up the phone lines and the text line
2: yes jd we are we are about to move forward right we're we're about to transition and and move forward into what happens next for the warriors but jd i'm not going to sit here before we put a bow on it or for me to put a bow on it and the grizzlies got to get they got to get one more rant from me they got to get one more rant from me so here we go dear grizzlies have fun in Cancun. Okay. You sat there, you called yourself a dynasty, Dylan Brooks. Get out of the second round before you do that. You sat there and you also, I don't know if it was a it was a dirty play. I don't obviously you didn't mean to injure the guy. You took out GP2, okay? You shoved Steph in the back. Please take a seat. John ja Morant, you gritted on the T-Wolves logo. You then went on to to mock Steph's one, two, three, his and one celebration. Well, Zyra once-
1: Williams did too, by the way. He that did was too. Him. I know the camera. Co- I know that. Yeah, Zaire Williams did it too in game five. That was a dual act.
2: That was a dual act. That's how they are. Okay. Whoop that trick. You had Draymond dancing with you. All right. John Morant tweets five to 10 tweets per minute after game, during game, before game. All of you can have a seat. Taylor Jenkins sitting there and insinuating that Jordan Poole's Hulk hand is what injured Ja Morant. You can have multiple seats, too. Maybe we'll see you next season since you're a dynasty. I'm sure you'll be back. But have multiple seats. Enjoy the offseason in Cancun, wherever you may be. Good evening, good afternoon, good night. We are on to either Dallas or we are on to Phoenix. That's all I got, J.D. Let's move forward.
1: All right. Here's where I'm at on that as far as, as Phoenix and Dallas go? Because uh, I, I do tend to look at it a couple of different ways. The, the answer from the, the fan point of view, and, and I, I always try to look at it from the fan point of view, and then you know, you, everybody looks at it from the, from the selfish point of view and then the objective point of view. Uh, I, think there, I think there's almost three different views. The fan pr- point of view, I'll keep this one the shortest, and I'll, le- I'll let you chime in on this one. Dallas is the matchup you want. If you're mm-hmm. if you're a Warriors fan, they're a one man band uh, as far as as Luca. That's no disrespect to to Brunson or Dinwiddie or Finney Smith, who's turned into a, a hell of a player. But they are Luca, and and I think the Warriors had a game plan of uh, you know, against John Morant to to allow him to try and dominate but also to you know try and take others away and and in in some ways use the strength of the Ma- of the the grizzlies against them which is the fact that you know where the ball's going to be uh, a large part of the time and use that to make your defense able to be more effective. I think it is similar with Luca, although Luca is a bigger player, which I think adds a, a different dynamic to it. His ability to maybe shoot over the defense, his ability to get rid of the ball and get it back if the Warriors try to take it out of his hands. You know, he's a he's a completely different animal at this point, and he looks like he's on the brink of becoming He already a a superstar, but a superstar that that may have the potential to just be able to carry his team to an NBA Finals, right? Like, he's almost next-leveling the superstar. Whether it's this year or next year, it feels like it's coming. All of that said, though, Allen, from the fan point of view, Dallas is the call. You want home court advantage. You want the pivot points of this series to to run through chase center. Hell, if the Mavs win tomorrow, I said this last night in Warriors wrap-up, The Warriors are, at that point, the road to the championship goes through Chase. They'd be the top seed, not the top seed, but the team with the best record left in terms of they'd have home court advantage over Miami or Boston or Milwaukee, regardless of who comes out. So the Warriors, at that point, really move up to number one in some ways in, in the pecking order. Now, the objective basketball fan in me wants to see Warriors Suns. I'm not going to lie. I, 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 if you, JD, who do you want? Just from a covering the series standpoint, talking about the series standpoint, traveling during this series standpoint, give me the freaking Suns. Yeah. I, I want to see the team that made it to the finals and Chris Paul trying to get that chip and, and the Warriors trying to prevent it and, and get back on, on top of the mountain after a couple of years away. It seems like it's felt destined to be Warriors Suns. A part of me is going to be let down from the objective point of view. If the Suns don't win tomorrow, not going to lie about it.
2: Well, I, and I hear you on that. I think as far as this series is concerned with the with the Mavericks and the Suns, the home team has won every single game. And to me, that reeks of just front running, right? To me, Devin Booker is much better at home. I think Luka is good on the road and at home, but the Warriors would have home court. So I think in both situations, I could see, and no offense to Phoenix and their fan base. We know the Phoenix and four guy, right? And all that uh, stuff that happened last season. But I think to be completely honest with you from the fan perspective, you're right, but I would rather go to Phoenix than go to Dallas. What it, and I get it because Both home teams have been winning, but Dallas in that arena looks to me, JD, like it's been rocking. And I just am not really afraid. If you are a Warriors fan or part of Dub Nation, of the Warriors going to Phoenix, I just, I just don't think it would be that big of an issue. Now, obviously, the team is better than that of the Mavericks, but let's do this game, JD. The Warriors play the Suns. Who is the best player in that series? The Warriors play the Mavericks. Who is the best player in that series? And we're not trying to get everybody all in a tiff as far as you know calling somebody better than our one own Steph Curry. But if the Warriors played the Mavs, you would probably say that the Mavericks have That's the Luka. best player Going into it, it's in Luka. the series
1: right now. It's Luka. Going into it, it would be Luka. Although Luka on a stage that he hasn't been on before, and 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 Steph on a stage that he's you know been on what five of the last. Seven years and now six of the last eight years, but no, I think Lucas playing at an unbelievable level right now. Uh, but I think it becomes an issue of you know which team is more equipped to defend the other's star. I right. think would be the extension of that. Uh, I I think and look, the Warriors. You said it earlier, and I agree with it. Have been very comfortable against the Suns. Uh, the the two two season series split. I know the Warriors won the short handed game in. Phoenix on Christmas, going all the way back to the end of, of 2021, the calendar year there. I know the Warriors, you know, really the tipping point game for them was the loss at Chase right. on March the 30th to, to the Suns before they, they wound up getting rolling and winning the final five games of, of the regular season. That was really the night where Steve Kerr decided to shorten up the rotation and and push forward as far as how things were maybe going to look for the playoffs. I think Steph would be the best player in going into that series, just because to go back to what Fridell said, not betting against Steph versus Chris Paul, number one, and Devin Booker hadn't played well against the Warriors. Like that's just a rat on the table that I think as you start to dissect this series, you know, and the Warriors have, have done a decent job against Ayton in, in, in terms of making him work and forcing some turnovers and, and some more misses at the rim too. So uh, I want to see Warrior Sons to answer your question and not dance around it. I think I think Steph it would be the number one in the Phoenix series. I think Luca, uh, just based on the level that he's playing at, would be the number one going into the Dallas series. But I don't really think that matters once once the series get rolling.
2: No, no, I I hear you, and you know what, I I scares me a bit as far as the Mavericks are concerned is what Luka is able to do. I know people have said he is a version of Harden. I don't think he plays as egregiously as Harden did back in those Rockets days, but he does Find a way to manipulate situations, and he puts you in weird positions if you're the referee or if you're the other team. As far he puts pressure on you in that way, and I think the thing with Luca that I've noticed when they've played during the regular season as well is that Luca understands he always plays at his pace. So you don't necessarily have to call a timeout when the Warriors are rolling or start to roll because Luca is going to find a way to get fouled. He's going to find a way to slow the game down and have. Have everybody play at his pace. And I think that is something that the Warriors have struggled with because they want to get rocking. They want to get running. They want to get everybody, you know, uh, moving in that direction. And Luca is kind of a human rain delay in a way. He will make sure you play at his pace. The Suns will get caught up in that running back and forth, and they're not going to be able, we believe, as, as long as the Warriors don't, as long as they've left their shooting woes in this past series. They're not going to be able to shoot with the Warriors and hang around with the Warriors when you start going up and down the floor. They don't have the horses for that, but the Mavericks are able to slow it down because of what Luka knows he wants to do, and he's going to play at his pace no matter what.
1: The Xfinity Mobile text line from the 510, Call me cruel, but I just want Steph to destroy Chris Paul's dreams again.
2: Right, and, and that, like, we're we're forgetting about the you know we haven't even discussed the whole well the Suns literally were the runner ups last year you know losing in the finals yeah, they, they're, they're they destined feel like they have some back. pedigree right right well they
1: feel like they have some pedigree as far as being through it and and I think they would tell you and Steiny always points this out Alan I think the Suns would tell you this group collectively. Has more playoff experience than the Warriors group collectively. I'm not sure I agree with that statement, but I mean I, I understand where Steiny's coming from when he says that, and I and I do think the Suns believe that, which goes a long way in terms of they just went through this with all of these same guys. The Warriors have the core of the veteran players, but this group, the pools and the porters and 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 some of the ancillary players and and role players haven't been through it with the others collectively.
2: Mhm. Yeah, I agree with that, but what did we learn from the 73 and 9 year? It don't mean a thing if you ain't got that ring. So yeah, they were on that level, but again, I think the reason people don't believe in the Suns is because there was no Klay Thompson, right? And and I understand what they did to get there, but the Warriors were not in they were not in that situation last season. So it's basically like, okay, you got to the You got to the finals, but you didn't really beat everybody you had to beat. Now, that's me being a bit of a homer as far as the Warriors are concerned. But when you look at the Suns and what they, the pedigree, quote-unquote, that they have, there have been a a bunch of teams that have gotten to the finals. That's the same way. Now, it's different in the East because, you know, the Bucs actually won it. But that's the same reason nobody is sitting here. It, it, It would even pick the Celtics over the Heat, even though the Heat went to the finals. You just went that was and and the heat went in the bubble so that's a whole another conversation but sure you went to the finals that's great but that's not I'm that's not doing enough for me unless you literally took home the chip
1: 510 Booker specifically hasn't played well against Gary Payton II though that's a that's a good point and and Gary Payton II I think his reevaluation date is in between game 1 and game 2 of the conference finals but again that's just really more where the warriors would get a more firm outline as far as maybe a timetable for return so it's not as if he would be oh he's 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 looking good he's playing tomorrow night in game 2 it it that the the likely outcome of that is another reevaluation date where maybe he could he could be you know back and potentially getting into some practices though it's it's the old you're a week away from maybe being two weeks away
2: kind of thing. Yeah. I don't get your hopes up as far as always being reevaluated. Could we get a surprise? I think this is just, you know, part of the process and what they have to do. So unfortunately we, we know that if anything is going to happen with GP two, it would be in the finals. If the warriors were to get that far. So don't get your hopes up there. I think most more importantly, we need to figure out what is going on with Otto Porter jr. And his availability, because even before he hit those big threes, in game four, he has been that garbage man and that he's had that Draymond-esque ability. I, I should say Looney-esque ability from the rebounding standpoint. So to have him in the mix, and and he also spaces the floor because of his three-point shooting, whether he's hitting them or not, to be completely honest with you. So that is what we're really, you know, anxious to see what is going to happen there.
1: The, the playoffs are all about playable players. And as series goes on, the original plan for teams as far as who's going to be in the rotation and who's able to play, it changes based on injury. It changes based on matchups and, and performance. And, you know, you look at, at the Grizzlies, just to use them as an example, and we can we can use the Warriors as well. You know, Steven Adams was a non-factor, and then he came back and, and was a factor. They lost Morant uh, along the way. You know, Brooks was in and out of his own doing as far as the, the flagrant foul and, and suspensions and, and, and you know, getting himself ejected. So as series go on, you, know, you have your plan, and a lot of the times I do think it comes down to the playables, and that's one area for the Warriors in the next series in line with, with the injuries. The Warriors finished last night essentially with six playable players. That's the you know, Lee and Bialitza played because you can't literally only play six and Damian Lee played ten minutes and Bielitza played eight minutes. Uh, but it was they, they've got Curry, Clay, Wiggins, Draymond, Looney, and Poole are the six playables. The Warriors went from nine playables to six by the end of the, the series. That's that's really problematic, I think, regardless of opponent. They are going to have to find more playable players in the next series. Against either opponent, if they're going to be in position to be able to win it.
2: Well, I have a couple questions for you. Number one, everybody's favorite—I don't want to say punching bag—but besides Andrew Wiggins, because he's been balling, so no one has anything to say now. Damian Lee, what did you think of his minutes last night?
1: I thought he was fine. I think he knocked down a big three, mm-hmm. uh, and and look, he he, I I am not surprised, and I actually said it before the, before game one. Uh, I was on with Kyle, I think, for Kyle Madsen during during Warriors Live. And I thought this was a series where if something happened, Damian Lee would, would be the next man up. And he was playing in this series before Kaminga. I know they did start Kaminga for the three middle games of, of the series before they went back to, to Looney. But I'm not surprised that he played. He is tr- a trusted veteran. And, and, you know, if the Warriors had everybody, he wouldn't be playing. But without everybody, he he is the guy that gets tapped. I don't think the Warriors had much of a choice. I am not one of those that looks at a playoff series and and says, "Oh, you, you, Moody, play Moody over Lee. Play, play Kaminga over Lee," like it's an automatic. And the Warriors don't look at it that way in terms of you know veterans and and somebody that's that's got a little bit more you know, been through a little bit more in, in their NBA career and along their journey than the young players. So I'm not surprised that he played. Um, and, you know, I, I would have, if the Warriors were going to play a ninth player last night, I, I advocated for maybe giving Moody some run just because it's a it would have been a home game and maybe the young players more apt to play well in a home game. And I think he would have been a steadier player than Kaminga. I actually would have gone to Moody over Kaminga last night. Uh, as far as if if you were gonna play nine, mm-hmm. I thought they would play nine. They didn't. They basically played six last right. night. Right. Right. Yeah.
2: I mean, but, be at least you, yeah eight minutes there.
1: You can't play six in a conference finals against either one of those teams and have everybody playing forty minutes a night when you're going back and forth every other day. And by the way, just real quick, I dug up the numbers. On the on the rest, there's been five games the Warriors have played in the postseason with one day in between. They're three and two in those five games, and you know one of the one of them was last night. The other one was Denver game two. That was the best game that the Warriors played was Denver game two, but that was early in, in that series and early in the playoffs. Just their second game in eight days at that point overall. Then you've got the game two loss to Memphis. And the game five loss to Memphis, and then the two 50-50 games in game four and in game six. So it's right. pretty clear, Warriors are five and one when they've had more than one day, uh, right. and they're three and two when they've had one day. And the three and two hasn't exactly been a pretty three and two. It, it it's it's about a play here, a play there from being one and four.
2: Yeah, the the three and two is a bit misleading, but that does your point on Moody leads in leads me into my next point, the fact that he didn't get in last night. And I thought Damian Lee, I mean, he hit that three, which was huge. He also, you know, caused that offensive foul as well. He had that turnover, but you're you're just there to eat minutes. You're just there to eat minutes. And again, he is somewhat of a threat at the three-point line. But does that tell you... Right, Kaminga doesn't play at all. Does that tell you that Moses Moody, the ship is probably sailed for him? I know, and anything can change, but these games are only going to get more important. And if you didn't get him in early on, it's hard to now. It, he's still a rookie, so it's hard to now. Okay, now we're going to throw you in in the conference finals or the finals. So it feels like if he was going to get in, it would have been last night. It, it, it has the ship sailed there?
1: I, I I'm not sure. I think the injuries are going to dictate that. Let, let's, let's get into that coming back because I do think there's a scenario where Moody maybe could play a little bit, and I, I've got a specific reason why. I'll tell you about that coming back here at the top of the hour. The phone lines are open, 888-957-9570. Who do you want in the conference finals, Phoenix or Dallas? Have the Warriors already clinched a successful season? And how does the way the Memphis series played out make you feel about the next series, and the prospect of the Warriors winning an NBA championship, it's John Dickinson and Alan Styles. we got three in the books. One more hour to come right here on seven. The Game.
2: I'm Brett Boone from the Brett Boone Podcast. Every week we look at the state of Major League Baseball, which teams are exceeding expectations, which ones are struggling to meet them. Follow and listen to the Brett Boone Podcast on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your
1: podcasts.